I know what's going on and I know I can't change the world, but I can have a positive impact one birth at a time. And I do my best to do that. Hi, my name is Augustine Colebrook and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues, and the future of our profession. Hey y'all, I am Jamara and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist. And this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love, nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor and mother. I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife RX. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey. So thank you so You're much. You're welcome so much. You're welcome so much. Thank you for coming to visit me. I am a huge fan. Not only are you um, a midwife and a business owner, oh, yes, but yes. now you are like fully a social media influencer. What? No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I just put random things up every now and then. Not every now and then. Oh. Very regularly. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and it's not media? random. Okay. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Now, okay. come on. I'll take... Well, I mean, I don't know. I just... There is some a... thought because you are putting out actionable, interesting, educational content. You know, it's just what I do. I know it's, it's what so you do, funny. but that's so why I say I now you're that. a social media influencer. Oh. Well, I guess because it's just like, yeah, I'm going I'm coming from a birth and just walking from one place to the next and I'm excited and it's just like pieces of my life, I guess you could say. I know. And you're right in it. Yeah. It's not like you're making anything up. You're no. not creating content. No. But you are no. sharing in such a way that is influencing. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. There, I mean, think about it. How many other birth center owners do you know that have the level of followers that you do? No. And, okay. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's true. Okay. And um, it's, it's powerful and impressive and it, it represents, I think, really what this profession needs. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very excited to meet you. Oh, thank you. Very excited to meet you as well. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. we made time. I'm so glad you yes. made time yes. for me. Thank yes. you. In the midst oh, of, of chicken clients and being yeah. births and all the yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, cool. I don't oftentimes get to do a live interview. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's extra fun. And uh, driving through, uh, you know, I got to be on a plane tonight, but okay. I was like, I have time. So yeah, let's make that's this so happen. so cool. It worked out. Yeah, it's yeah. so cool. So, so cool. tell me a little bit about um, what brought you to midwifery. I think you worked in birth work before. I did. Yeah. I was a labor and delivery nurse for 13 years at a local hospital here. So. I feel like probably year five in, um, I felt comfortable enough in the craft and how things worked that I was like, this seems like it should be a little different. Uh, but then I was comfortable, comfortable. I was, I felt like I was very, a very good labor and delivery nurse, a very good provider um, in the hospital setting. So it was nice to be in a nice, comfortable spot and say, well, this is what we're going to do. And then um, advocate as I needed to for different people as they came on the floor. But as I started to watch more and more people come in and I'm like, do you even know why you're here? And they're like, well, I was just told to come here to have my baby. Well, what are we going to do today? I don't know. The doctor just told me to come. And I thought, well, we need to be talking to these people some more. And I, then I realized that it's a lot of the education, of course, comes before the baby gets there. You only have so much time in labor and delivery to influence them um, or not even influence them. I'm not here to influence them, but to inform them of their choices. Right. While we have another provider that's like, well, it's five o'clock. We need to do It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's figure this out. So um, about 10 years of being a labor and delivery nurse, I was like, oh, okay, I need to, I really was emotionally, I really noticed the physical part um, of leaving out of there. Happy about births, of course, but just like physically sore. Hmm. 
because I would just spend a lot of time biting my tongue or a lot of time just tensed, tensed up. And I, I was like, wow, what is going on with me? Like, what? But as I learned more about it, and I would always go out to do like extra things. I obtained my um, RNC certification and I would do a lot of extra things above and beyond what was required there. You know, the basic NRP and CPR and ACLS things. I went above and beyond because I felt really drawn to birth and how it works and why it works. But the thing that's interesting is that I don't know how it and why it works now. Oh, that's fascinating. I don't know. I got to ask you more about this. Yeah. I don't know how and why it works right now because it's above me. Ooh. Yeah. It's Ooh. above me. So I feel like that was the problem is that we were so involved in making it work how we think it should work and causing more problems. So I thought, okay, well, I need to get out of here because I'm physically not well. I mean, I've never had any big illnesses or anything. I'm grateful for that. But I just could feel the shoulder stress and the tension and the Ugh, and walking in sometimes and working with certain providers that I knew if I didn't have that mama ready to have that baby by a certain time, she was going to the OR. I don't care if it was her sixth kid, all vaginal births, first kid. I don't care what the issue was. She was going to be cut at a certain time. Um, and so, yeah, I became a nurse midwife. I went back to get my, I had my associate's degree and that's what supported myself and my family for 10 years. And then went back to get my, um, bachelor's degree from Texas tech and then went to university of Cincinnati to get my, um, master's degree. And here I am. There's some more parts to it. Of course. I know, um, there's some more parts to it. I have a very amazing group of midwives that I worked with in Kerrville. They have a great practice, which is interesting because San Antonio is a much bigger city than Kerrville, Texas is. But the hospital there, Sid Peterson, they had um, a midwifery group and they worked well with the physicians there. So I was able to go up to Fred, uh, Kerrville rather and do my clinical rotation there. And they taught me a lot. It was They taught me a lot about things and encouraged me to, you get out there and you can do great things. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's great. But get on out there. And I was like, okay, fine. My first job I had um, was at a birth center here in San Antonio. And when I was um, on postpartum leave, I was let go. So you personally, yeah, mm -hmm. you were postpartum of your own baby. Yeah. So my daughter, who's nine now that was born at home, okay. born at home, she was about six or eight weeks old. I can't remember how long, maybe it was eight weeks old and I was let go. So I was like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? So thankfully, you know, it's like the plan is already written out. I just have to walk in. So <laughs> thankfully, um, one of my first client that I actually took care of, um, they, came to me because it was me. I worked with her mom in labor and delivery. And she was like, I still want you to be my midwife. And I was like, oh, I don't have a birth center. We'd have to do it at home. And she's like, cool, that's great. It worked out really well. She's like 15 minutes from me, super close, worked out wonderfully. So she paid me what they refunded her and um, from the birth center. And with that, I bought a Doppler because I didn't have anything. Right, right, right. Blood Employee, pressure cuff. Employees, different. Right. I didn't have, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have anything. Um, and I didn't plan on, I never imagined, I thought one day I'll probably have a prisoner, but I never imagined it'd be a year after being a midwife. Yeah. It was like a year and a few months post being a midwife. I was like, whoa, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. So bought my supplies, got my bag, my oxygen, my urine strips, yeah. got all my things. Yeah. And I was good to go. You know, my little paper chart, got it all set up and good to go and had my first birth. And that's Austin. Austin is going to be eight in February. He's going to be eight in this February coming up. Amazing. Or maybe he's eight now. My numbers, Dominique. Okay, no, he just turned eight this February. Amazing. Yeah, eight this February. So, and then from there, I just started doing home births. I did about 17 my first year. Mm -hmm. And um, about six months in practice, I got a small little office that's probably about the size. I mean, from this, I mean, 400 square feet. It was super, right. super tiny. Right, right. Housed there for about three years and then kind of outgrew it. I was like, okay, I think people are going to allow me to be their midwife. This is like a real thing that's happening. So surprising. And then moved to a cute little place that's right down the street from here, about 1100 square feet, had several more rooms. So I, you know, was able to have community events and have more than one midwife there and, you know, different things. And um, I was there for about three years and my daughter was going to this um, preschool right down here. And I would pass by this place and a while and I saw the, the sign that it was available. And I was like, oh, okay. So I thought it was the little cottage that's up here. And I asked them about it and they were like, no, it's the whole property. And I was like, oh, oh no, I can't do that. Can't do that. I'm not interested. And then 
thought about it, prayed about it, talked about it with my husband. We waited. It took like six, eight months back and forth trying to figure out how this was going to go. And finally it worked out and we opened in October, 2019, which is another amazing thing. COVID has been quite interesting. Yeah, I bet. There've been good things that have come from it and bad things that have come from it. You know, good things as in things that we've learned about each other and relationships that have changed and all those kind of things. And of course, losses are the bad side and other detrimental things. Um, but we opened in October, 2019. And then when COVID hit in March, people were like, oh my gosh, COVID's in the hospital. I'm not going to the hospital. I'm coming to the birth center. So we were just inundated with I'm sure. people, I'm sure. which was a blessing in disguise for sure. Being a brand new business owner, having this facility and trying to get this you know, place off the ground and um, stable, sustainable. And it's just been great ever since. That's amazing. So you've been in practice almost four years or coming for up on the, four? The birth center has been open for, it'll be four years in October. Four years in October. But I've been a nurse since 1998. Yeah, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, long, long career yes. as a birth worker. Well, um, what do you think, um, I mean, obviously lots of people were escaping the institutional hospital reality, um, wanting home births. Do you think that your practice is substantially bigger because of COVID? I feel like that's twofold. Um, I feel like COVID gave a good rush at the very beginning. And then we've had repeat clients that have come from that. And then clients that have given birth outside of the hospital, you know, they spread, they spread Mm -hmm. and they talk to their friends Mm -hmm. and their moms and dads and everybody. And so I feel like that has been one part of it. Another part of it, I feel like people are uh, realizing that they can take back birth. Mm-hmm. That's been one beneficial thing I know with social media. Anybody can put out a pod, not a podcast, but anybody can put out a um, you know, 60 second post or mm-hmm. you know, TikTok and this is what you can do. You know, I always advise people, just make sure you know who is giving you the information. But I feel like social media, this that area of social media and people are learning really quick. Okay, birth center, let me see what this is about. Oh, that's cute. Let me look into it. When they might not have ever, ever, ever looked into it before. Yeah. So um, I feel like that's, it's kind it of shifting twofold. And I think it's kind yeah. of shifting and social media is helping out with that some. Yeah. Um, and then just every birth, every person you touch, they spread the word. They spread the word throughout their community. So yeah, it's really awesome. Well, one of the other things that I think is so important about what you're doing is you are also creating uh, representation within midwifery. Yeah. And I would love to hear more about the feedback that you're getting, because as you know, as everyone who's paying attention knows, uh, uh, African-American black midwives are terribly underrepresented right. in midwifery, uh, Latinx as well, underrepresented. Yes. Um, only about 2% of home birth midwives identify as black midwives. And I know that you are training black Mm -hmm. midwives. You have apprentices Mm -hmm. and you are also providing a space where folks of color can come and say, Hey, this provider actually looks like me and knows my culture. Tell me more about what that what's happening in the community and what you see as a result of this. So starting off, that was, I thought about that, of course. Um, But it's just amazing how that's developed into what it is now. Yeah. Tell yeah. me more. It's tell me just, more. It's just wild because people are like, yeah, you know, I, even with you, oh, I follow you. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, it, it's still just, I'm just a regular old person. One leg <laughs> at a time. I just happen to catch babies and post about it. Yeah. But people are like, no, it's much bigger than that. Nikki. It's much bigger. And I'm like, okay. no, it's much bigger than that. I, I believe you. Yeah, I believe and, I get and I don't know if it's sometimes me. you can't see the forest for the trees because you're so be in that. it, you know? It could be that. Yeah. Um, also, just the type of person I am, I guess I'm just super humble and like, I want to just make sure I know that I'm, it's bigger than me. It, it's really bigger than me. I'm just a vessel. Uh-huh. I'm just a vessel. Um, and so I'm just grateful to be able to walk in these steps. Um, and I know that I know what's going on and I know I can't change the world, but I can have a positive impact one birth at a time. And I do my best to do that. Um, I want to always make, you know, my type of care available to anybody that wants to have it. So with my black birth fund that I have, yeah. um, you know, I've had people that, you know, it's like, I can't afford it, but I'm like, this is for black moms only because I know that she will go in and not have the opportunity to have the same experience that you will just based off of yeah. her skin color, which is yeah. so stupid to me. 
but I've had so many people. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to learn. I guess I've, as I, I go throughout the years, I see it coming back to me. I had a fundraiser a couple of weeks ago, and one of the mamas who I caught was like, you know, I finished nursing school. She said, it was because of you. And I was like, it was not because of me. Are you kidding me? She's like, she started crying. I was like, oh, okay, she's serious. And she's <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I was like, she's serious. She's like, you probably will never know the type of impact you made on my life with the birth that I had. I'd had other kids. It was her third baby. I had other children, but the way I was treated, the way I was listened to, the way I was cared for, the follow-up, she said it was, it made me want to become a nurse so I can offer the same to other people. So it's neat. I get some, I get a lot of those stories back, but again, I just feel like I'm just walking in my place, walking in my path. And it seems like it's not extraordinary to me. It's just here I am coming to my birth center, open the gate, roll on in. But that, I mean, that's a testament to the integrity and the authenticity that you walk with, that you aren't putting on airs. It is nah, exactly who you me. are. I get that. And yet, are you aware of, of the rippling effect? Are you aware of how big this is? I mean, how many, I mean, there's only like, what, three or four um, BIPOC midwives in Houston? So, right. How many in Austin? How many in the whole state of Not, Texas? Right. I mean, I mean, Nikki, this is a big deal. I, I mean, when you put it like that, yeah. It is. I guess I just don't sit in it. I'm just out here hustling. Boots yeah. on the ground. You know? I, I get it. Touching bellies. And, and that, that's what makes it authentic. Okay, yeah. But, I just, but in, when we're, when we're talking, see, and I, this is where I come in. I work nationally. I work yeah. globally. I'm yeah. seeing a big picture. I have... I have a research public health degree because I'm looking at this whole big picture. How do we shift the maternal health culture to being sustainable and safe? Like right. that's that's my focus. Right. And I have a particular focus in community-based birth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I think it is a very safe place for it a is. lot of people. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. And the caveat is what makes it extra safe yeah. is culturally matched care. Right. That's huge. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And it and is. you're one of the new guard coming yeah. back to protect this space. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what's people. exceptional. I take care of all my people. It doesn't matter their skin color, but I take care of all my people. And it does, I do. But for, for BIPOC folks who are terribly underrepresented, right. you are creating a space, holding space for yeah. people that otherwise are oftentimes lost in the system right. Or their needs are not acknowledged, right. or they're they're even discounted, Absolutely. which is how these terrible health outcomes are happening. That's how they happen, so yeah. it's extraordinary what you're doing. Thank you. And then to be able to I'll add, thank you. <laughs> good, I'm glad. And thank then you. To, to be able to add um, a student capacity, oh, sure, so yeah. that you can pass this on, yeah. is extraordinary. So tell me about your student program. So I have most of the students I've had. I've had several students, CPM students or LM students, and also CNM students. So different degrees, and I've had. Um, I know one of the midwives that's here in San Antonio is Monica Barrientes. I don't know if you met her yesterday or not, but she is uh, um, uh, here in San Antonio, like one of the two, Lorena is the other one. Lorena was one of my students as well. That's a certified nurse midwife now, but um, two, maybe three Latinas. I think there's three. And then, you know, it's so sad. We don't even, we need to work on speaking Spanish here in San Antonio, Texas. A lot of us don't. Mm. it's underrepresentation big time. Yeah. So the students that I have though are generally just coming from, you know, and even my, Oh, I forgot about my other, my other big birth assistant, uh, Marina, Marina, Mariah, please don't, you know what it is? It's Lorena and Mariah. And I always say Marina. That's what it is. Those two, because Lorena's new and then Mariah is my old, I mean, Mariah has been at my side. She's my right hand forever doing births, but she's black. And those two, Morena. That's just what they are going to be. The Morena. This is or Marina. Just so Lorena is Latina, and then Mariah is black. And those are two students that came through with me. And I have another black student that's going to be coming on the way. So I I don't have a program that I've set up myself. I, I but I do have people that just yeah, yeah. come in yeah, yeah. and I take them on. Yeah, yeah you're offering representation for yes. them as well. And I try space. To make space. I love that. I try to make space. I'm like I'm busy, but I'm like I'll, try, I'll make space for you. Come on in. Come on in. Well, I, I really want to pitch um, an idea that we're launching soon, yeah. and that is a residency program. Oh, that's Where you get someone cool. who's already graduated who mm-hmm. just wants to mm-hmm. work with a backup. Yep. We'd love to place that someone makes, in your... That sounds safe. 
it, it, yeah. that's what we're going for. <laughs> that that first safe. year of practice, yeah. you remember what? it's overwhelming. And to have someone let you can call or yes. show up at your side yes. will and make all the difference. Make fun of you and not make you feel bad for exactly. asking the questions. Exactly. We have a great community um, here that we can reach out to each other, but yeah. it would be great for, yeah. Additional yeah. And then students. for the, from the business perspective, it allows you to have a lower cost employee, employee. so that you can scale, yep. you know, cause it's so hard. Because if you get more business to afford someone, right. you're working double time until they're hired. Yes. And if you hire someone before you can afford them, then you're, then you're, you're you that's know. That's the business part. Exactly. Yeah. So this will help scale businesses and help support graduates mm -hmm. and obviously more midwifery care. So yeah. It's a win, win, win. What we need. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to really talk to you about sure. placing someone. We have a new cohort that's um, starting in October. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'd love to talk to you about that. Okay, cool. Have space. I was space. Well, this is a gorgeous space. Thank speaking you. of which, I love it. And uh, this is the part that I think I saw online, yeah. but now that I'm here in your space, mm -hmm. it's really clear to me. This is another part that I think you do so well, and this okay. is why I call you a social media influencer. Oh, okay. <laughs> is is that you're you're presenting midwifery, yeah. but it's so polished, it's so clean, well, it's so clear. I try. Yeah, thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't mean like clean as in, I mean, the edges yeah, yeah, of yeah. the message mm -hmm. are really sure. clean. You've honed your vision yeah. so completely that's so wild. Yeah. that when you see it online and in person, it matches. Gotcha. And that's impressive. Okay. You know, because like from my entrepreneurial brain, I'm like, Ooh, girl, <laughs> you have an aesthetic mind. I... You care about how things are yeah. perceived. Um, you know that the first uh, image is oftentimes the lasting image, even though it's For not sure. necessarily true, but yeah. that's how society, that's how sees, society it. sees it. And so you've you've crafted this message, this visual message. Yeah. Your brand is on point. Is wild to me. <laughs> I'm so impressed. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna receive this. Yes, you should. You, but I'm just gonna receive it. Yeah. yeah. I, again, because it's just like I just everything just seemed to just fall into place. That's beautiful. That that's the sign you're on the right path, right? right? When you don't have to push or struggle. I don't feel like pull. it. My husband's like, we had to work so hard to do this, and I'm like, did we? He's like, did you forget? I'm like, maybe because it just feels so good now, I forget yeah. about the struggle. Yeah, I guess like birth, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, you go through that and the transition. It's hard work, yeah. and then you get your baby. And you're like, oh my goodness, that wasn't that bad. Yeah, and people are like. Don't you remember? Don't remind me. Just let me enjoy this oxytocin rush and well, this sweet babe. This oxytocin birth center is quite extraordinary. I, I love it. it. I mean, I'm looking at gorgeous uh, artwork Thank and you. sculpture yeah. Yeah. and live plants yes. and like yes. Pinterest worthy like <laughs> furniture. So I mean, you're, yeah. it's gorgeous. Thank it's you. gorgeous. Thank you. We're going to post a, fo a photo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's so wild to me. So wild to me. Well, so Nikki, we got yeah. a bit of the past. We got sure. a bit of, um, you know, what you're doing now is really creating space. Um, how do you envision this moving to what, what's your, what's your five or 10 or 20 year so goal? I have a real big desire, a real big goal to open another birth center. So I always envision having a place like this. Once I got here, I was like, okay, this is it. This is working well financially well, working well, stable. And then the next thing I need to do is I need to go to my people. Mm -hmm. So here, my people aren't here. They come Because you're a little north of the city. I am. Yeah. A little north of the city. I'm not on the bus line. Um, I'm in Garden Ridge or near Garden Ridge where homes are, you know, 700,000 to a million dollars close by. Um, but the biggest thing is I'm not on a bus line. I feel like the people that need me are on bus lines. That's so important. Yeah. So I want to, which is really awesome. I, I was at um, a Black Maternal Health Fair at St. Philip's College on Friday, and I ran into the District 2 councilman, um, Jalen, and I I said, ah, I, I sent you a message, and I want to open a birth center over here by you. And he was like, uh, okay, like tell me some more. So I was able to talk to him, and I would love to open a birth center, even if I'm not doing birth there, if I could do prenatal care, strictly prenatal care. For people, you can ride a bus, one bus. We just recently had a hospital that closed, uh, Northeast Baptist Hospital, that covers the northeast side of San Antonio for labor and delivery. They shut that service down. And I don't think the community knows because people all in this area, I'm the only place you can go have a baby. If you Seriously. want to go out to have a baby, this is it. Unless you drove all the way to the north, uh, north central part of San Antonio or the south side of San Antonio. But there's nothing here on the northeast side at all. Um, and I don't think the city knows that. There's hospitals, there's two hospitals, but they don't have L&D services because it wasn't, of course, making money. Um, so 
anyway, I want to be able to go. My plan is to be able to hopefully open up another birth center um, where we can get good prenatal care. Because I feel like that's where a lot of things are missed. If you're informed and educated when you go in, you're not going in unnecessarily for unnecessary inductions. Your 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 placenta is doing well because you're eating well. You're less stressed. You have you're connected to your community. You're getting yourself set up for the postpartum period. And not saying things major things can't happen during the birth, but I feel like having the prenatal period uh, being listened to and heard during that period, having support after the birth, I feel like that's those are huge, huge, huge points because I feel like if you're good during a prenatal visit. You'll go in and say, I want A, B, C, D, and E. You'll be yeah. very aware of what yeah. to do, you know? Yeah. And then if you have a doula with you at your side, that can help advocate for you or yeah. tell you, you know. Yeah. But it's like if if you are heard and believed initially, oh, yeah. there's less reason for you not to believe that that's true. Right. And that's sometimes I really, I'm glad you brought this up because sometimes this is what I think uh, the medical industrial complexes, prenatal care reality is doing. It's actually setting you up to stop caring, yeah. to stop listening, right. to stop respecting yourself Absolutely. because no one, else is. no one else is. So it feels like you're being gaslit by the system. The yeah. And I love that you say that that makes such a difference. And in fact, these um, early access clinics that, right. you know, uh, Jenny has, yes. Uh, yes. you know, uh, so amazing. advocated for, and now Zul in in um, Florida has one, and now there's one in North Te- in uh, Dallas mm-hmm. area. Um, I just spoke to them the other day. Abide, yes, yeah. abide. That's it. Yes, yeah. um, and and there's more coming up because it's the same kind of thing. Like right. if you have full integrative culturally matched, spacious prenatal care where you're heard and respected and listened to. Uh, When you do go into the hospital for your birth, you'll demand demand that. Absolutely. You'll demand it. So so you're imagining this would be a prenatal clinic and then eventually a birth center as well, or try to do both. I would love, if I could do both easily, you know, then I would do both easily right away. But if it's just prenatal care initially, and then, because I feel like it's something that's not really common there. So would people be interested in doing it to begin with, or would they say, okay, yeah. I can do prenatal care, but I'm still going to the hospital. Yeah. Um, I feel like that might be much better received. Yeah. Better. It might be received better that way, but, um, or, you know, why don't just, let's get a birth center. I've been looking at several spaces, so I'm looking yeah. for it. And I'm yeah. grateful I have midwives that are coming on board here so that yeah. I can, I'm not attending all the births like I did yeah. last year, all the births. Yeah. And, um, so the tough part about that, though, is that I, it's going to mean me moving out of the kitchen. I like the kitchen. <laughs> I was just talking with midwives this morning about how sometimes your hands start itching when a student's catching. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> let me show you how to do that. Just one more time. Just one more time. Just one more time. Like, it is. Okay. It is. It's, it's sometimes really hard. But by moving into this um, big picture strategic planning. Yeah. Um, that you're doing and actually running this organization, um, you are actually creating even more space, more mamas, That's more families, more brothers, more students, yeah. more spaces. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to remember the big, big picture. Yeah. yeah. Big, big picture. Yeah. It's almost like you're, you know, if you, if you can, you can deliver clinics, deliver birth centers right. instead of deliver babies. Right. Exactly. And then yeah. change communities. Yeah. Add communities. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is, that is my goal. I just, you know, I I remember talking to people about, you know, their births and how it's so important. And people like, yeah, yeah. I said, I used to talk to my grandmother about her births and her kids are 70 years old, 70. She remembered their births. But I said, grandma, what did you have to eat for dinner last Thursday? Uh, Maybe I don't know. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's how much of an impact it made. 70 years and she remembers the things. Even remembering what people say. Right. Yeah. How you're treated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that can make a huge impact for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just the power. There's so much power in it. And not to make it about rainbows and butterflies. I know contractions and waves and surges are uncomfortable. And there's a lot of surrender that occurs during a birth. But when you watch somebody birth their baby, it's just this amazing, I mean, just getting chills thinking about it looking at them in their eyes as they look at you holding that fresh baby. And they're just like, I did it. I can do anything. It's like a real, 
it's every, I mean, chills, just thinking about it. I'm like, that's what I think I love about catching the most is just that I see that you did this. And they're like, you see me looking at you, looking at me. Yes. I did this. It's yes. Yes. And then just the things that happen that are so amazing from it. Like I said, I, I, I've gotten a lot of people back and it's like, oh, you did this and you did that. And I appreciate that. And I, I just, I'm living and I'm just living. I'm just living. I just do my best for everybody. I just treat people like I want to be treated and just a good person all around. And then I'm just seeing the things come back. And it's it's really cool. It's really cool. Mm. It's really cool. And that's what unites us, right? Yeah. Is absolutely. midwives being able to um, witness and support transformation. Yes. You know, all so of powerful. us. It's because so like powerful. you get the chills. Everyone listening will yeah. get the chills. Yeah. Because that, that is the, that's the truth that we know. Yeah. Is even if the transformation is surrendered to a surgery table, right. exactly. it's, still, it's transformation still transformation and supporting that person, however and wherever they need to be, Absolutely. supporting that new soul, however and wherever they need to be, Absolutely. helping them transition, transform, and connect. Right. That's, that's the power, right? So and it, and I think that, you know, you having to leave the mainstream medical world because they weren't witnessing that. Yeah, they didn't. They right? didn't. I don't know if they're afraid of that. I think they, I think, I mean, we could go really deep yeah, here. Like, I think the patriarchy is very afraid of women. Exactly. <laughs> and if they knew that, if more of us knew our power, then the world would be a different place. Such a different place. Yeah. And that's why I think they're afraid of midwives. Yes. It's because we birth power. I mean, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the men who witness this right. are transformed the de- oh and the God. grandmas who witness this are transformed. transformed and the siblings are transformed. It's, a, it's definitely a rippling effect. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really, really amazing. Yeah. Really amazing. I have lots of dads that come in. I'm like, you're going to catch right first visit. Mm-mm. Yeah. I pay you to do that. I'm like, you absolutely do. And I love it. <laughs> you don't have to. I'm, I'm willing to get, share. <laughs> I'll definitely get in there. I absolutely love it. Yes. But the, this is this is your kid. You get to be the first one to touch your kid on this planet. They're like, whoa, yeah. that's pretty cool. And I'm right there yeah. by you. Yeah. So it's really neat to watch these, yeah, manly, manly men or whatever come in and you know it's off. Get, oh my goodness, especially yeah. after you know skin to skin with that baby. Yeah. While mom is they in the just shower, mush. they just melt. And I might look at you and they're like, <laughs> and I feel like that makes a connection for you that you're gonna, you know. Assist in your parenting. Well, exactly. And I think not enough studies are done about um, like this type of birth. And we right. we all debate the name, right? right. Is this natural birth? birth? Is this midwifery right. birth? Right. Is this home birth? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's physiologic. Yeah, yeah, there's so many phrases. But this juicy oxytocin yeah. rush oxytocin. that we're talking oh, about, so which can be actually facilitated even in the hospital. It can. It's not, but it, it can. But it takes you, time. And the space yeah, and all the things, right? Time, exactly, but exactly. But this type of birth, um, it, it, the not enough studies are done mm-hmm. on the long-term, longitudinal studies about the outcome of those families. Right. Because I agree with you, when you have that precious skin-to-skin, protect-the-family-unit-at-all-costs mm-hmm. kind of care, mm-hmm. how could... Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure there could be, but isn't there going to be less domestic violence? Isn't there going to be less child abuse? Isn't there going to be more connection? Because it's yeah. established at those crucial rite of passage moments right. that we remember for the rest of our life. Right. It, it rewires your brain. You yeah. see yourself in a different capacity. So yeah. like there's so many long-term benefits of this care. Absolutely. Aside from the short term, which right. is like that heroic yes. moment, like yes. I did it. But yes. then the long term is really profound. Yeah. Even um, with partners supporting their, you know, the birthers and labor. Yeah. Even that. You, they have to get to a place where they have to surrender. And then that's your person. Oof. And that in, in itself, I feel like strengthens relationships. And it just takes you to a place that you probably hadn't had to go to before. Like mm. where else do you have a fight or flight situation? Mm. Where you, where there's nothing to solve. That's right. Right. This is, this is yeah, the magic yeah. is that like, it's, it's everything. Right. It's scary. There's noise. There's pain. There's sometimes blood, yeah. but there's nothing to do but hold space, right. but support. support. And yeah. that changes men for sure. Yeah. It changes women. It changes everyone. It. Yeah, it yeah, changes everyone. They are definitely the fixers. Woo! And I'm like, what you do? <laughs> Squeeze those hips. That's how you fix her. That's how you're fixing her. Give her some water. Right. Where's your cloth? So it's really, it's really neat to watch them transform throughout the prenatal period and the yeah. birth period and then postpartum. They're just like, it really affects families for the better. Well, so we were talking about 
relationship transformation, relationship building, yeah. and the similarity between what midwives find as magic and mm-hmm. what, what brings us to this. Yeah. And now I kind of want to go into the shadow side of this. Okay. And you can certainly opt out if you don't want to sure. join this conversation, but I think that you have so much uh, perspective and wisdom that you could really shed some light. And that is that there are some major animosities in midwifery. Mm-hmm. There is a divide between CNM CPM. Mm-hmm. There's a divide between community hospital. Mm-hmm. There's a divide between black and white. Mm-hmm. And I know that I want to continue to build bridges and connect, but right. I also think that one of the really important parts of this bridge building that is under acknowledged, especially from the white community Mm -hmm. is um, really understanding what spaces we don't belong in. Mm. That there can't be a bridge to everywhere. Right. And I would just love to hear your take on this because we want to be friends. We want to link arms and change the world and, and, and really make, midwifery be this vision that we all have, but there have been tremendous inequities, Mm -hmm. abuses, Mm -hmm. um, and, and there have been, there has been systematic oppression. Sure. And that changes the way that we can come back to the table together. I think. Right. Maybe. Okay. Okay. This is my thought. Okay. I would love to have your perspective okay. on how you see us moving forward. So in my community, um, you met with some of the midwives yesterday. I did teach yeah. a class. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, there's, let me see, there's probably four, three or four nurse midwives now doing out of hospital births in San Antonio. Okay. Um, but I worked at, when I worked at the birth center, I was the only nurse midwife, but there were CPMs that worked there as well. And so we became friends and actually two of the CPMs, um, were my midwives when I had my baby at home. Um, and we developed friendships. And so we communicate and talked often. So here in our community, I feel like there's not a concern with the CPM, CNM, there's communication. A, there's a bridge there already. I feel like there's a. I feel like there's a bridge there that because became, there are already CNMs work. C, CNMs working in the community space, and they've made friends with or work with yes, arm in arm that's already. How it worked with myself, me being because initially I was the only CNM that was in out of hospital birth right. setting. There weren't any other ones for a while, um, and then yeah, we work together with midwives, and so we meet up. We you know have wine, we do whatever. So we come together and meet at you know different people's birth centers, and so I feel like we have that community there, and we can chat and communicate really easy. Um, and the, I think the biggest thing is that there is a respect for the way we practice. I have my own life experiences, my own work experiences, my own educational experiences that influence how I care for the people, the way I care for them. And the other part is that I have my own comfort level. Mm-hmm. So there are things that I know CPMs will do that I'm like, oh, I'm not comfortable doing that, but I don't judge them. So I feel like that's the biggest part uh, to keep that bridge open. And if there's something I feel like is unsafe or something that should be that I think that, yeah, something I feel like is straight up unsafe, I feel comfortable talking to them about that. And the same for me. I'm like, hey, what do you think? Or you all have this experience. Please give me the information. Um, And we work well together. Um, But nationally, yeah, there is this. But I feel like it's just because there's not much of a respect of the way people want to work. Like, People say, oh, she's a medwife because she did that. I'm like, oh, that's not a nice word. And you can't fault somebody for working in their comfort zone. That is a huge thing for me. You know, you go to a, a doctor, you know, a, a podiatrist, and you're like, well, I want to have this and this and this completed. Well, I'm not comfortable doing this. Well, I'm going to bash you because you're a podiatrist. You should know how to do this. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, you want to make sure that. I'm going to do something that's in my comfort You're looking for foot reflexology, right. not a podiatrist. Not a podiatrist. Right. Exactly. Like get your exactly. roles correct. Yeah, I love that. That's a great non-politically challenged example. I love that. Yes. Love that. And so, and I feel like if you have somebody that's not working in their comfort zone, then they're not going to give you the best care that they can give you. So oh, for right. instance, like I don't do VVACs after two cesarean births, but some, many of the CPMs in San Antonio do, and I'm okay with that. 
It's just not my comfort zone. I don't know why, but right now in my gut, that's what I feel comfortable with. And I feel if I had somebody that had two cesarean births, I might not, I might influence them inappropriately to not have a successful outcome. And I don't want to do that to somebody. I love that self-reflection. And also, this is a really great example of really being boundaried. I love, yeah, boundaries are my best friend. <laughs> they are. They keep you sane. Yes, they, they keep do. you sane. And yep. safe. And safe. Safe and sane. That's yes. so, so big. So, yeah. so big. Um, as for spaces where people don't belong, I feel like you can always be an ally. I feel like there should always be a space for an ally. There are places that I can't go to that you can go to that you can speak up for me. Right. And they won't even realize that you're speaking right. up for me. They'll right. just say, oh, well, let's see what she has to say about this because right. of who you, how you look. Right. Um, so I feel that there's a lot of and And, and does it, it also works in the opposite direction, Absolutely. right? So, so tell me a little bit more about this. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty here. Sure. And I'm putting you on the spot. And again, you can opt out. There's no, no worries, requirements. Yeah. But I feel like this subtlety, this subtle understanding of how we're going to respectfully build bridges yeah. is is not talked about on a national level, right? Like it should be. Right. Um, so here's something I've heard from, um, advocate, uh, black midwives mm -hmm. before. And that is that for white midwives practicing in a community where there is a black midwife, mm -hmm. if you get inquiries from black clients, you really should refer them on. Why? Well, this is what I'm asking you. Have you heard this? Do you feel think, like this is appropriate? I feel if somebody's looking for a black midwife, absolutely, you need to refer them on. Right. But if they're looking for a midwife that's going to fit their needs, you might be the one. Right. If you feel like you can't provide culturally based or culturally competent care, then don't do it. Don't take that's something that you have to check in on yourself. Right. It's the boundaries again. Yes, you yes. have to check in with yourself. Well, so um I, I, I know culturally competent is used everywhere, but I actually kind of abhor that phrase. Tell me. I feel like it should be culturally humble. Humble. Oh, yes. Or cultural humility that's, is what we need to develop because we're never going to be competent in no. someone else's culture, no. right? Aware. Culturally aware yeah. seems like a good phrase. Yeah. Um, so, so when we have, uh, when we're repairing this, this incredible gulf yeah. between, um, you know, how black midwives were destroyed in America yeah, it's so and how white midwives occupied the space completely. Yeah. And yeah. we're trying to write the balance, build yeah. the bridges, create opportunity, representational spaces. Right. Um, uh, what you're being really clear about, and I love this distinction and I couldn't agree more is it's really about intent and it's really about understanding, um, what representation means, Absolutely. right? So if, if a black client, a BIPOC client comes to interview a white midwife, it would not be appropriate to say, here are the other midwives in the community. Did you know right. that this exists? That's go interview, go find out. I, right? I do that all the time. Yeah. I do that all the time. If For both sides. Yeah, in all ways. Everybody. Just, yeah. Yeah, see, yeah. Not the best fit. Yeah. yeah. So that there's again, informed decision-making. Absolutely. And if they aren't informed, they can't make they can't an make informed decision. decision. Right. So yeah. when it comes to even choosing a midwife, one of the ways that we stay in our lane, if you will, is we make sure that people are actively choosing our lane and right. not just falling into it. Right. We're being clear about what other lanes are. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It. I'm really good about that. I love people to come in, like they'll do an interview with me and I'm like, sleep on it interview other people. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm the best fit for you. And some people are like, I already know, which is cool. But I really like that. And intent is important. I feel like that is so, so, so important. I know with my midwifery group that I have, you know, the local midwives that I work with, I'm the only black midwife. And so yeah. they'll ask me questions privately, sometimes publicly in our chat that we have. Like, is this an issue or is this a problem? I didn't know. Tell me some more about this. Mm. And how, I was like, cause you haven't had to live it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wow, that's crazy that anybody would behave that way. I'm like, but you see the numbers. The numbers tell us that people do behave this way. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like they are really good about being aware of what's going on out here in the world, which is important. And I'll tell them in a heartbeat. I'm like, do y'all see this article about this black girl that died? They're like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, you know, I, can you share my black birth funds on your page? Yeah, please. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it seems like San Antonio has a pretty amazing community. We're, Would we're you pretty agree? Good. Yeah, we're yeah. pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it here. I mean, I haven't worked as a midwife in any other community, right. but I feel very comfortable right. here. Yeah. Right. Even and everyone obviously talks wonderfully about you. So I appreciate I think that. it's very mutual. Thank you. Well, um, what else do you wish that new midwives coming into the field yeah. or that you wish um, white or black midwives understood more about this understanding that you have created about how to have true informed decision-making, right. how to live in community right. as midwives. What do you wish people knew more? Oh, let's see. I guess for new midwives, um, hang in there, <laughs> hang in there. It can seem, don't like, don't lose sight of the, the goal. That's the most important thing. Um, if it's for you, it will be for you. I, I think talking about like having students and having difficulty getting through school. And you mentioned some of those, those, uh, things, not directly that statement, but I, I feel that a way that you can become an ally is by inviting these BIPOC students to your space, treating them with respect. And not only, so it's the, the CPM school world or the LM school world is very different from the CNM yeah, school world. Right. I have learned some things. I'm like, wow, I don't know how to behave like that because I wasn't taught like that. I wasn't picking up groceries and then doing this and watching people's kids and doing these kind of things. When I was in school, I went to clinic, did visits, taught babies, came home. Um, but I feel like that's a whole nother thing that needs to be talked about, you know. Well, so let's talk about it. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. And it, I well, let's just go on I'm record. Gonna... I'm going to go on record. Yeah. Um, it is It is not within your student role to be a personal assistant to your senior midwife. Well, I, students need to know that because I've learned some things and I'm like, whoa, that's... But we agree, right? I like, agree. that's not... I agree. ...a part of becoming a better midwife. No, That's a part of nanny. They say, they say that that's make that's... So you'll learn what it's all about. And I'm like, That's called hazing. I, it is. It really, really is. And so I feel that when that hazing occurs, when a white midwife takes on a BIPOC student, it looks 10 times worse because this is just how they do it. Well, it doesn't it just looks, look. It is. Well, it, is, it is very bad. But it's like, oh, now you're doing this to a black student. And then it just blows up. And it's like, well, this is how I know how to treat students. But it's like, oh, let's work on not treating students that way. Yeah. So that's a whole, you know. It is a whole thing. thing. And it opens up like the part that also that you and I also like focus on, which is entrepreneurial success and stability and stabilizing strategic plans and balancing a budget and all those important things. And I think this is, I mean, we're going off topic here for a quick second, but I think this is like one of the major systemic problems in midwifery, home birth community-based CPM midwifery is that they have never had any business training. Or business mentoring. Neither did I. Yeah, I get it. But like this is the piece that's missing. Mm -hmm. So that they can't conceptualize hiring people to do the things they need. Right. They're using what's available instead of really being able to see them as different roles. Um, And if we could shore up the financial stability of practices, midwives would have more resources, more money to devote. why, Why don't we have the money? Well, this is a complex question. Yeah, I think. Why don't we have the money? I think, and it's, I, I, I'm not sure it's we. <laughs> why don't some home birth CPMs not have the money? Let's right. say that. Yeah. Uh, or some birth centers. Or some birth centers. Not have the money. I think per, partly it's just poor money management. That's like, the thing. That's we one. just don't, we aren't aware of where all the money's going. Right. Nobody ever tracks it down. There's right. no big budget. Nobody's right. really aware of it. Right. Um, the other thing is that we are spending money on things that are not necessary. Okay. That's another one. Yeah. And then number three is that we are not working to our capacity. That's, that's one. Another big, big, big one that I notice is that we people will sometimes think of midwives, not as martyrs, but, you know, we're going to barter for, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with barter. Let me tell you, we're going to barter. We're not it's not our, equal. We're not getting our money. Yeah, it's not we'll reciprocity. That's it. That's yeah. it. It's not mm-hmm. reciprocity. It's your money. That's all. So I used to work in the Emerald Triangle of okay. like Northern California, Oregon. Yes. Okay. And, and yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what's the main green energy that happens there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone would come in and be like, I don't have the money, but here's a giant court jar, mason jar of weed for uh, you. And um, I'd be like, I can't pay my electric bill. With you that. need to go sell that and yeah. then bring, bring me the money. <laughs> Which I'm not bring advocating selling drugs, exactly. but like I need exactly. to pay. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with bartering. I don't want to say there's anything wrong with that, but I feel like it's not just the bartering. It is just, well, I don't have enough here. And you know, 
had somebody come in that still owes me some money. I told them, I said, you need to have your money paid in order to birth here. Now I'm not turning anybody away. And people, I have see, see, but see, this is me. I have not turned anybody away, but I'm grateful that I have plenty of other people that do pay. So if I do have somebody that's kind of staggered paying, it doesn't affect my ability to be able to care for other people. Good. So that's one thing I do keep in check. But then they they had, you know, a Starbucks cup. And I was like, you could have paid me $4.50 today. And that would have been $4.50 off of your balance. Let me know that you know, that that lets me know that you think that my care matters. Right. It's priorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this brings me to the reason why I think most midwives are poor. And yeah. you, you're really in that same vein too. It's that they are not boundaried. Right. And they don't know how to say no. And yeah. they don't know how to say you owe me. Yeah. And they don't know how to say I'm worthy right. of this. That's so big. I feel like that is one of the biggest things I would tell students more than anything else. Yes. Is know your worth. Oof. Oof. Know your worth. Hallelujah. Absolutely. <laughs> Hallelujah. Know your worth. Set boundaries from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and but you can't set boundaries if you don't know your worth. So it's this crazy catch twenty two, well, yes, right? Yes, you do. Yeah, you do have to figure out and know your worth to know that that's not. Well, I would go back even further, and I would say I think the the way that we're going to change this is that if you're a student considering starting midwifery, or you're in apprenticeship where you're not feeling successful, right. valued, worthy already, right. you've got to go work with a preceptor who knows their worth. Yeah, because then it will be infused in you. And this is, I mean. Midwifery mentoring is not like parenting, but it kind of is because of the influence and the power that mentors have, right? So if you grow up in a household not believing that you're worthy, it takes you decades to maybe relearn that truth that existed right from the beginning. All children are worthy, right? It's it's a learned understanding. And the same thing is true of midwifery. If you enter midwifery through a community or through an apprenticeship that does not see your worth, You are doomed for sometimes years and decades Uh before you re-unlearn, relearn. You physically feel it and you're like, oh, I just physically can't do this anymore. So now because I have a physical ailment or I have an emotional ailment or financial situation, now I have to make a change. It's like, no, you can make changes and be in a better place from the get-go. And you could do it even right from the beginning by searching for a preceptor who wants you as much as you want them. That's right. And respects you. Yes. I think that's the big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, if we gathered together all the birth centers and home birth practices who had not fully collected on every claim, I think we would have millions of dollars. You, you're right. I agree. I agree. We would be able to fund so yep. many projects. I agree. Yep. I agree. And I don't think there's any other place that you could do that. You couldn't go get your old change and like, well, I don't have any money. Right. You, that's no. what I always say. I was like, imagine ordering dinner and then the bill comes. You're like, how about I pay you $2? Actually, I mean, it was I'll come delicious. back Tuesday. Right. It was delicious. It was a Michelin star restaurant. Perfect. I mean, and then maybe you won't hear from me ever it's again. It's laughable. It's like, are you kidding me? It's crazy. Yeah. Because I don't give the amount of care that people have paid me. That's not in my heart to do. So it's like they know, oh, she's going to give her all. So I'm just going to give what I want. But that's 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 a big one. Set your boundaries. Know your worth. Get your money. Get your money. Get your money. That is it. That's the quote. Just get your money. Because <laughs> you can't survive. Right. There's I mean, so it's ultimately, things. it's self-injuring. Yeah. There's so many things that we miss out on as midwives, being available 24-7, 365 birthdays. I mean, even just sitting down watching a movie with my husband, sometimes I just can't because I have to run. But if I, if I'm getting compensated for it, it makes it, it makes it not so uncomfortable. It's yeah. like, you know, we didn't get a chance to go to the movie, but let's go to dinner. Let's go on this vacation. Or let's, I mean, because now we can afford it. Cause now, yeah. But yeah. if I'm here and I'm not getting paid and well, the reason why most people say, okay, you don't have to pay today or okay, I'll write this much off your bill is they think they're being nice. Yeah, no, there's people that will take advantage But of they're things. not being nice no. to themselves. They're not being nice to themselves. And that's the worth piece again. Yes. Like, we have to go back to that. Like, the root of midwifery's floundering. Yeah. You know, right now, the AABC has some statistics that every single week, a new birth center opens in the U.S. Wow. And every single week, a birth center closes. Oh. Well, that's right. Which is why we're in this stagnant yeah, place. Is like because not many more. That's why I was, okay, I was like, every that's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Like 52, but but not, yes, yes okay. pretty much. I mean, it, it varies a little bit, but that's, yeah, that's kind of how it's working. And, and how many senior midwives have retired before their actually retirement age because they're burned out. They are. Right. Yeah. And I have to say, you don't look burned out. Is that true? 
I don't feel burned out. So, so do you take vacations? Uh, I do. I do. Do you take time off? I like do regularly. So where did we go last year? Last year we went to the DR in December, but that was the only vacation that I took. I feel like that goes back to the boundaries, communications from my client, communication from my clients. Um, they, they are not supposed to text me unless it's an emergency or not supposed to call me unless it's urgent or emergency. We have an online documentation system that we use. So that decreases the amount of bing, 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 bing that I get nonstop. So that's one thing. I have more midwives that I've hired on board. I did attend all of my births last year. Um, but, and so far all this year, but my goal is to incorporate them into attending more births and I'm not going to attend as many or not the all nighters. Um, so I, I feel like before COVID, we took vacations like normal families would once or twice a year. COVID hit and I didn't go anywhere. I just worked. Yeah, that's been a yeah. major change. So that was kind of like, well, and how do I get... But you're mean? obviously scheduling time off. You have vacation at least I once. Do. I mean, I know midwives who've been 10 years without a vacation. Uh, we don't have a vacation scheduled this year yet. I, I, I challenge you to. Yes. How about this? I have a question. Are you cleaning your birth center? Yes, I do like everything. Okay, so we need to work in... More sustainability. But, yes, but I do. So my admin, <clears throat> Denise, has been with me, I feel like for eight years now, maybe seven years, but she's been with me for a long time. But she's like, Nikki, she's really good. She's my boundary helper. She's really good, good at, good, you know, good. getting the emails in and just good. people want to ask me questions. They want to interview you. They want to do this. They're not paying. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, she's like, I don't think you have time for it. I'm like, okay. And then <laughs> I that's mean, great. That's we need a gatekeeper yes, sometimes yes, because so our hearts is, are so big. She is definitely yeah. my gatekeeper for that part of things coming in. And like I said, with more staff coming in, I do have people here and I do assign tasks, but I will come here on my own, on my off time. I think because it's my baby. Yeah. Well, sure. And that's a whole nother course yeah. is learning how to release control and let other yeah. people take Please over. It's not know how to do that. Cause that's the thing that I'm working on because I know I can do things. It's called, it's called founderitis. Okay. Yeah. It's like a disease that where is? you're the okay. founder and yeah. you're like, can't quite, can't let, quite go. let go. It's yeah. a real thing. I'm and and it's, it's very much like parenting. Like you have this little being in the world, you know, yeah. and, and letting go and letting them go out. And like, that's a big thing. And so letting midwives come in and manage a call schedule or interview people or yes. risk assess people or catch yes. baby. Like yes. that's big. I know I, I'll, big. I'll teach you class on that too. Okay. But, it is big. I'm getting there though. So but I, I would say the, the just, I'm just going to plug my little, um, um, idea for birth center owners and sure. busy, busy community-based midwives is you can't be everything for everyone. You cannot. And the the simple uh, delegation tasks that I call are the ABCs yeah. of birth business, mm -hmm. administration, yeah. uh, all the administration, mm -hmm. and all the accounting. Oh. So oh, all of it. Word is like, oh. all, uh -huh. No, no, everyone else answers phone calls. Yeah. Everyone else does, you know, someone else at the front desk does reception, scheduling, and ultrasound, okay. faxing. Fi that's great. And that is okay. That's to great. Do. Yeah, that's, that's great. Just something you have to and then B is for bookkeeping mm -hmm. and billing. Okay. So accounts receivable, accounts payable, yes. other people manage. People mm -hmm. And then C is for cleaning. Yes. Midwives should not be cleaning. <laughs> I know. I can turn over our birth suite in 15 minutes, me and my girls. And that's, but that can, ha and that, that is a part of sometimes just being ready for the next client, sure, sure, but sure. like dusting and cleaning toilets. You know, I have somebody that comes in once a month now to do like major deep cleaning. And then so of course my, my people about. do help You're out. on the pathway. Yes. You're I, on it. But I, I used to, I'm, I'm getting there, definitely getting there, but I, yeah, but I'll pull out a duster. I feel like, cause I don't know. I just. I started just the way my career started as um, a nurse's assistant. You know, I started as a nurse's assistant and I was a licensed vocational nurse and a registered nurse and a BSN and an MSN. It's like, I understand the importance of all the levels of care and all the levels of things that go on. You know, I know every aspect of how this business is run. Yes. Clinically, as you should. Clinically, you know, the lawn maintenance. I just, I just know all the different pieces and parts of it. And But it's not for you to do it all. No way. Now yes. that you understand it, yes. you can delegate. Yes. As I understand it well, as my client load and the births increase throughout the year, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. So that that kind of forces me more to delegate things to other people and I'm all right with that. Which as a way to sort of like be comfortable with that task, you're creating jobs. Yes. 
Thank you for that. Yes, I am. And that's a profound a, a and important yeah. capacity we as whole, well. Yeah, we have a whole a whole crew here. It's that's amazing. crazy. When I see them here, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Wow. It's yeah. extraordinary. It is really extraordinary. Yeah, it's really extraordinary. Well, Nikki, I, I think you're extraordinary. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm going to receive that. Instead of telling you, no, 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 I'll receive that. Thank you very much. Good. And Thank you, you for modeling. Well. Thank you for modeling. Oh. Yeah. This has been a fantastic talk. I hope we get to see each other again. Absolutely. We will.